I'm Michelle Schaefer, and you're listening to another episode of Sold Out Entrepreneur. I have a story to tell. I'm going to share how I went from a 16-year-old teen mom to millionaire, divorced with two kids, putting myself through school, and working multiple jobs just to make ends meet. The odds were certainly against me, but I never lost my hope, I never lost my faith, and I never lost my dream. I'm going to help you build your faith, have big dreams, and build big teams. Are you ready? Let's do this. Hi there, and welcome back. Welcome to episode 18 of Sold Out Entrepreneur. I'm happy to be here with you today. And I'm, well... I'll be honest with you, this podcast is going to be a little bit different and it is an intensely personal one. I've been feeling it laid on my heart for the last two weeks that it was time to share this podcast with you guys. And even though many of the podcast episodes are completely wrapped around building a business, um, I think it's very important to share with you my heart and to share things that I feel are laid on my heart by the Lord. And when I decided that it was time to launch this podcast, it was fully with the knowledge that I would be uh, sharing with you guys different parts of my life and my faith, which has been such a major portion of how and why I have made decisions in my life and my growth. And I knew that at some point, God would lay on my heart to share this portion of my life with you. And so as I was preparing to start the podcast, I don't know if you've ever felt this, but when you knew you were, I don't know if you're maybe have a fear of public speaking and you knew it was your turn coming up or (laughs) anything that where you felt uh, maybe vulnerable or a little bit afraid that your heart starts to, to pound. Well, as I as I was ready to click record (laughs) to start this podcast, I was experiencing just that. A little bit of sweaty palms, a little bit of my heart racing, and I said a little prayer and asked that the Lord speak through me today and that really um, His heart be shown through this podcast. So um, while it isn't directly related to the building of my the empire that we have built here, it is indirectly related because of the many, many things that I have learned through the experience that I'm going to share with you guys in the podcast today. If you have been following my podcast and listened to any of the other ones, you've heard me mention a couple times that um, there was a period of time in my life where my oldest daughter, Brianna, who is, gosh, I can't even hardly say it. She's 27 now, who's 27 years old. There was a period of time where our relationship was under a tremendous amount of strain. And I don't know that I'll ever fully know. Maybe when she's older, we can chat about it in a in a calm manner to really get down to the nitty gritty as to why that happened. But when she turned about 17 years old, there was a, a instantly a strain on our relationship. And um, the, the resulting, the effects of that was that for a number of years, she was almost completely estranged from me. She would not come around. She didn't want to talk to me. She separated herself from the family completely. And it was a, just a, it was a devastating time in my life. And I went into a very, very deep depression. 
I had her when I was 16 years old. So to have her choosing to not be a part of my life was a, it was a devastating blow and it was affecting everything. I had become, I had retired from my career doing hair. So I was at home. Uh, Savannah was still home. She was a little baby. Actually, she might've been in kindergarten during this time. And Jacob was in middle school and it was just a, or he might've been in high school actually by this point. And it was just a very, very hard time for me. It consumed my every thought all day, every day. If I couldn't even say her name without bursting into tears. And it was just a, it was just a rough time. And I, I pulled, I did a lot of things to try to like get her back. <laughs> I, I did the, like a desperate boyfriend thing. <laughs> I would call her, send her messages. I would, I tried manipulation, emotional manipulation. I tried guilt. I tried everything to just get her to, I don't know, feel my pain, you know, have a desire to be back in my life and nothing worked. And I'm really, really summarizing because this podcast is not about my relationship with Brianna, but I have to tell you this part to tell you how I believe God prepared me for the the second part of this, this story that I'm going to share with you today. And hopefully I can get it in one podcast. <laughs> it may end up being a two-parter. But so I was just, I literally was desperate. And I'll never forget, there was a period of time where for three days I didn't get out of bed. I literally was, I didn't want to eat. I felt, I was, I felt like I had lost my will to live. <clears throat> that I had this child that I loved so much who was choosing to, you know, not be, not be in my life. It was just it was devastating for me. So for three days, I just laid in bed and I remember Bobby came in one day and he just looked at me and goes, I don't know what to do to help you. (laughs) And I just cried and I said, I don't either. So on the third day, I got up out of bed and I called my grandmother and I said, I need your help (laughs) because I, you know, I don't know how to move forward from this. I'm sorry. My intention is not to cry on the podcast, but it's hard for me to discuss. So she prayed with me and and helped me. And um, I decided that I needed to do something to get out of the house because I didn't have a job anymore. And I was just in this house every day thinking and thinking and thinking and lamenting and just being so depressed about, you know, the fact that my daughter, who I love so much, didn't didn't want to be a part of my life. So I got a job. Um, it was in the beauty industry and literally I got the job just to keep my sanity. And I was an educator and a representative for a product line, a hair product line out of Italy that I really liked. And this job took me out of the house and put me in my car and had me driving all around San Diego County. So I would drive by the beautiful beaches in Southern California every day and, you know, just go call on salons and talk to them about this product. I kind of felt like I was in a trance while I was doing it, but it was very, very good for me just to get out and have a reason to get out of the house and forcing me to do that. Well, I'll never forget this one day I was in Del Mar and I was driving home and I was just, I was bawling. I mean, like the real ugly cry. (laughs) I don't know if you've ever done the ugly cry, like the out of control, like a child, just ugly, ugly crying. And I was just crying out to the Lord. You know, my prayer had been for at least a year. This had gone on for about a year at this point. And my prayer was, Lord, give me my baby back, bring her back to me. And I was just crying and crying and, you know, un- very unsafe. <laughs> that was an un- that was not a good idea to be driving on the freeway in Southern California. I was on the five. 
and just crying. And um, I, I very, very hear, clearly heard the Lord say to me, it was like a slap in my face and I felt like it was audible. I, I really, in my experience at that moment, it was an audible sound. And he said to me, she's not yours. And like a slap in the face, it like shook me. And I immediately stopped crying and I took a breath. And I realized in that moment that, you know, I was just praying this selfish, selfish prayer to bring her back to me, but that she never really belonged to me that, you know, as a parent, we have our children for a a short number of years to, and our job is to influence them and train them up in the Lord to go out into the world and, you know, live their own lives and they have their own journey and their own walk with the Lord. And it was a turning point for me. Um, where I really, my prayer stopped, my prayer to the Lord that had been bring her back to me changed on that day. And I realized that my prayer needed to be, you know, Lord, I pray, and I still pray this for all of my children. I I prayed, Lord, that if, even if she doesn't want to know me, that Lord, she would know you the way that I do. And I started praying his will over her life. And I began to just let her go. realizing and accepting that, you know, maybe she would never want to be a part of my life in that way. But that if she could know the Lord the way that I did, that I would be satisfied with that. And so that was a turning point for me to begin healing, to stop grabbing onto her in that manner. And I'm very, very happy to say that, you know, we have a great relationship now. It's been years. And we talk multiple times a week. She lives in Florida. I'm in California, so I don't get to see her all the time, but God has really done a tremendous healing in that area. And clearly it still hurts, <laughs> but I wouldn't be so emotional about this. But I want to share that with you because it leads into the next part of what I'm going to share with you. And I believe that God allowed me to feel that and to experience that to prepare me for what was coming to prepare my heart for what the Lord knew would would need to be prepared, like only he knows. And so I'm going to fast forward a couple of years. I had moved on from the desperate grabbing at Brianna, trying to you know, get her where I wanted her, and just was grateful for any contact that we had and and tried to love her exactly where she was at with zero expectation. And Jacob was, I don't even remember, I think he was 15 or 16. And he, uh, he sent, he asked me to come into his room, said he wanted to tell me something. He was, I believe, a freshman in high school. He might've been a, a sophomore. Maybe he was a sophomore. I don't remember now. Um, all those years jumbled together, completely jumbled together. As I get older, they all seem to scrunch even closer. But so he asked me to come into his room and he just, he looked so upset. He said, I want to tell you something. And, you know, he's my second born, my only son, and we have a very close relationship. He saw all the pain that I had gone through and felt very, very bad about it um, with with my older daughter, Brianna. So he was, you know, very always so careful not to to hurt me or to add to it. And so when he said he had something to tell me, and he looked so disturbed. He looked so upset, and so um, he looked so emotional. I knew something. I knew it was something big that he that had happened. You know, so all these things run through your mind. Um, of course, one of my first ones is, "Oh no, you got a girl pregnant," because 
that apparently is my go-to because that's what happened to me. And then, oh, he did drugs. He crashed the car. You know, what is it? What, you know, he did something bad. And so he, I said, what, Jacob, what? And I was in his bedroom with the door shut, just him and I. And he just started to weep and he couldn't even speak. And he was just so torn up. And uh, to the point where he was, he, he was actually in the fetal position on the floor of his bedroom, heaving in tears, just in agony and pain. And I just kept asking him, is it this? Is it this? Is it this? And then suddenly I said to him, Jacob, are you gay? And he just, he, he literally, I mean, the amount of pain and agony that he was in and he shook his head. Yes. And as a parent, I think that we can all say, you know, nobody desires, nobody looks at your child as a, as a baby and says, I really hope that they grow up gay. And because we know that they're, that life is going to be so much harder for them and they have a whole different set of, of conditions and trials to go through. And as a Christian parent, you know, I mean, I think it's changing right now in, in our generation, but for all the years prior to what's happening now, you know, the church has told us that you're going to go to hell. That's a sin. You're going to go to hell. And so in an instant, in an instant, I, all of my feelings about feeling that I had lost my daughter, Brianna, to at that time, I didn't know what, and maybe to never get her back in my life in an instant, I made a decision that I'm not losing him. I am not going to lose him. He had been going to a youth group in our town here at a church who uh, the pastor of the church had a son who committed suicide. And it was very widely believed that he had committed suicide because he was gay and he couldn't deal with it. And so all of these thoughts ran through my mind. Uh, You know, what does the Bible say about this? Um, you know, what is, what does this mean? Maybe he's, maybe he's not, maybe he's just confused. Um, you know, I don't want him to commit suicide. I, you know, I'm not going to lose him too. I mean, just flooded with all these thoughts. And so immediate, my go-to was to comfort him. My go-to was to comfort him so that he knew it didn't matter to me. I said, Jacob, it, you know, if you're gay. And at that time, my vernacular was, if you think you're gay, if you think you're gay, it's okay. You know, I love you. We love you. That doesn't change anything. And to see the pain and agony and for him to ask me, you know, why did God do this to me? Why did God do this to me? I just, I knew in an instant what I probably never knew before, that this was not him choosing. This was not a choice because if he could choose, he wouldn't have chosen that. He wouldn't have chosen it then, and uh, for many, many years, he wouldn't have chosen it. And so this began a, a long journey for all of us in the family. And as a, as a proud follower of Jesus Christ, I really started to dive into the Word and just search, how could I justify that based on all the things that I had been fed over the years about that particular issue, the issue of homosexuality and being gay. And, and how did you reconcile that with being a believer and a Christian? 
And I'm not going to get into doctrine because I'm not, this, this is a one-sided podcast where I'm speaking to you and I don't have to uh, take in <laughs> opinions. I'm sharing with you my story. I'm sharing with you something that I hope impacts you in a positive way. I'm sharing something with you that if you have somebody in your family that's gay or a child or you are gay, you haven't dealt with it, you don't know, you're afraid, I'm hoping that this will bring you some peace. Um, and I certainly don't have all the answers. I, I really don't. And I don't want to pretend to have the answers. I know that being a follower of Christ, there is a certain element of faith that that is a mystery that we will never know or understand some things. I'll never know or understand why children get sick, terminal illnesses, and die. There's no way for me to reconcile that. I'll never know or understand why some people have afflictions on their life that, that you know, it's not a punishment. They didn't deserve it. It just happened. And they deal with pain and agony, uh, you know, sometimes their whole lives. We lose people that we love. I lost my sister to cancer at a very young age. There is a certain element to life that we will never have answers. And so for me, without having the faith in believing truly in my heart that that God has our best in mind, even when we have no understanding of what's happening, it's been what's kept me able to continue to walk. And so without going into tremendous details of over the years, I will tell you that um, after I was done speaking with Jacob and comforting him, I went, I was in a lot of inner turmoil, obviously, as a parent for a multitude of reasons. Um, you, you, I, I, I grieved, I grieved what my son was going to go through, what he was going through, the, the way that he questioned his faith himself. He wasn't accepting of himself. I, I was grieving the fact that, you know, the future that I, in my mind as a parent had kind of drawn out, you know, you, you have a daughter, you envision her wedding and her dad walking her down the aisle and you have a son and you envision his wedding and him being a parent and all these things that, you know, you as a parent grieve. And I know for certain that he did too. We've had amazing open conversations over the last number of years. And, you know, I'm just, I'm just so blessed by him. I'm so blessed by, by him being my son and the ways that we as a family have come together and been able to, to truly just love. And so after this conversation, you know, I went in and I told Bobby and, uh, we've had a lot of conversations over the years about it, but I want to share something with you that has enabled me to, to, to love him because here's the thing, here's the main thing. Okay. If we, as parents, if we, as believers and followers in Christ, followers of Christ, want anyone, anybody, you know, strangers, friends, our children to believe that there is a heavenly father that loves us unconditionally, exactly the way that we are, he accepts us. Then how in the world are our children supposed to believe and accept that if we as parents don't model that for them first. I feel very strongly about this. 
And so I want to share a verse with you. And uh, it's been it's been the one that God has just imparted on my heart as I have searched his words to bring comfort to my son and myself. <laughs> um, and I'm just going to share it with you. I'm going to share two versions with you. It's out of the book of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians um, chapter 13, verses 12 and 13. This first one is from the NIV version. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. And, and that last sentence is the sentence that God has just embedded on my heart. The greatest of these is love. Love our neighbor as ourselves. And I knew that I had to pour love over my son, unconditional love, accepting him exactly for who he is and what he is. And, you know, knowing that my job was to show him unconditional love. Not love if he decided not to engage in in a lifestyle and a homosexual lifestyle. Not love if he denied the the way that he was born. Not love if he behaved in a way that I thought was fitting as a parent or as a Christian, but just to love him all the way from the top of his head to the bottom of his toes. And as a parent, it's very easy for me to do that. And I truly believe that God, because of what I had felt for a couple of years um, in regards to my daughter not having a relationship with me or not wanting to, um, it was so easy for me to just say, it doesn't matter to me. I love you wholeheartedly exactly where you're at. And God taught me that through the pain that I went through with my daughter. I'm going to read you the same verse from the message version. It's a little easier to understand. It says, we don't yet see things clearly. We're squinting in a fog, peering through a mist, but it won't be long before the weather clears and the sun shines bright. We'll see it all then, see it as clearly as God sees us, knowing him directly just as he knows us. But for right now, until that completeness, we have three things to do to lead us toward that consummation. Trust steadily in God, hope unswervingly, love extravagantly, and the best of the three is love. So clearly in his word, he's telling us that we are not going to be able to see the picture completely while we're here on this earth, but that there will come a day where the questions will be answered. There will come a day where we will see the full picture. And my great-grandmother used to have this little saying that she said, and she was um, she did cross-stitching. Uh, she, she, that was one of her hobbies, was cross-stitching. And she used to say that, that we, as believers, get to see the backside of the cross-stitch. If you've ever seen that before, it's just a mess. <laughs> it's a mess. It's just strings that look like knots. There's absolutely no symmetry. There's no design. There's nothing beautiful about it. It's a mess. But that God gets to see the other side the beautiful you know, picture, the, the beautiful image that is being created. And every now and again, he'll flip it over and let you have a view of this tapestry, this art piece that's being created. And so 
I say this to you to encourage you that, you know, here in an age today where we are so overloaded with information, I mean, we have Google at the, at the touch of a finger, any question you could ask, you have, you have <laughs> smartphones with Siri and you can, you know, audibly ask a question and get answers. I mean, we have so more information now than at any other time in history and we want answers. We want to know things fully and completely. And, and the very nature of having faith is realizing that you're not going to have all the answers and you have to trust in that relationship with that God, with God. <laughs> you have to trust in that. And it, that can be very difficult because we want to know, right? We want to know the answer. We want to know why. We always want to know why. And so there's so much that I could talk about, um, about the things that we have learned and grown through as a family. Um, and I don't want to get too stuck on it because this is kind of a hot button right now, especially in the Christian community. There's still a ton of controversy and there's a ton of pain being caused on both sides. You know, people that truly want to, they want to follow the word of God. They want to follow, you know, they, they, they want to believe what many times the church has told them. But some things just, uh, I believe we as human beings have created meaning around things. So my belief is, is a couple of things that I'll share with you. Number one, um, for, for one thing, I believe that this is not a choice. Um, I've had many gay friends and now I have a number of gay members of my family and it is not a choice. They are, they are born that way. If they had the ability to choose, they would choose not to engage in that, not to have to be that way because it makes life a lot harder. Number one, that's number one. First and foremost, I believe that. Um, and I, I believe, I, I believe what I'm about to read to you. It's from Psalm 139. And, uh, you know, I believe the word of God and here's what it says in Psalm 139. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me, you know, when I sit and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar, you discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways before a word is on my tongue. You know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If, the, if I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become right around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like day for darkness is as light to you for you created my innermost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I made it in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. And this just brings me so much peace. (laughs) to know that when I mess up, I'm just talking about me now, when I mess up, say things I didn't mean, do things I shouldn't have done and that I regret, that he knew what I was going to do before I even did it. 
And it says here in his word that he knit us together in our mother's womb. So if I am to believe that my son was born perfect, that God knit him together in my womb, then I am to believe that God knows exactly who he is and his heart, and God loves him and sees him as perfect. And as his parent, my job is to show him that example first. I'm happy to say that Jesus has uh, that Jacob has a relationship with the Lord. He was baptized. It was a beautiful day. And, uh, you know, here's another thing that I know for sure as the parent of adult children, they have their own personal walk with the Lord that has absolutely nothing to do with me, that I am not in control of that, that I cannot, that my hand is not in it at all, and that my job is while I am on this earth as their parent is to love them, is to love them, be an example for them. And, you know, when as adults, they ask to guide and influence them and to pray for them every day and to pray God's will over each of their lives. You know, we have our children for a short in this lifetime, short period of time under our care and influence, right? When they're in our homes. And those are the years that we really need to impart, um, our influence on them. But as adults, it's it's now between them and God. And that's a really hard thing. <laughs> if you're controlling like me, that's a really hard thing to accept. Um, you know, to know that your children have their own walk, their own decisions, their own problems that they have to work out. And um, I share this with you because There are so many times where I I listen to different parents, I read different things on social media from parents, and they're just so disappointed in their children and the choices that they make. And we have an issue going on with uh, some family members right now, and uh, she's a young, one of the, my, one of my cousins is a young adult and, um, you know, just made choices that the parents don't agree with. And, you know, she's suffering the consequence. She's living in the consequence of, you know, decisions that, I mean, whatever, maybe they were right, maybe they were wrong, but, but they're not turning out the way that she thought. And so she's, she's living in the consequence, but to add to it, her family is telling her that you were so wrong. We can't talk to you until you make this decision. And I just feel sad for, for her and for them because (laughs) it's like, clearly she's dealing with the consequences of, you know, the decision she made good or bad and to add insult to injury. Now her family is saying, you know, until you do what we think you should do, we're not going to, you know, be a part of your life. It just makes me sad. It really makes me sad. I'm so glad that God doesn't behave that way with us, that he continues to forgive us over and over, that he knows us better than we knows, know ourselves Um, that he sees us as perfect and gives us a pathway to communicate directly with him, regardless of what we did, regardless of what we said yesterday or what we did or what we're going to do tomorrow. He keeps that pathway open for us. And if he is our example, then that is the pathway that we need to keep open for our children. And I'm just going to take it a step further to try to swing it back around to all areas of our lives. Um, we need to keep that pathway open with other people too, (laughs) not just our children, our spouses, our parents, our friends, coworkers. I mean, if, if we, if, if as believers, right, if as believers, we are an example, we're the church, 
and I don't mean your church, I mean the body, the body of believers on the planet, you know, if we are to, you know, act out, you know, the, the living example of who Christ is on this planet, then don't we need to keep that pathway open? And the Bible says to forgive seven times 70. And it's so much easier said than done because we get hurt <laughs> and we get disappointed and we feel that people need to know that, right? <laughs> oh, it's just, everything is just so much easier said than done. And as I kind of come back around here to close down this podcast, I really just, if there was one thing I could impress upon you, it is this, that the greatest of these is love. And that holds true in all areas of our lives as a parent, as a spouse, as a partner, as a friend in business. (laughs) I know people like try to keep you know, maybe faith and stuff out of business. But for me, it has dramatically impacted the way that I engage with people. And the fact that I know that, you know, I'm so imperfect. (laughs) I make so many mistakes. I can look back on, you know, on my life and see how much I've grown and look at the decisions I made and the things I said to people. And I would make different decisions today. And I would say different things to people. And knowing that, right? Knowing that, that allows me the ability to offer grace and forgiveness and chances and, you know, the courage to continue to love people when they're unlovable, thick skin, soft heart. What a lesson that we can learn to have a thick skin, to not let things penetrate us, but to continue to have a soft heart for other people. And the things that I have learned as a parent, as a result of pain, usually (laughs) pain and distress has enabled me to see and understand the heart of God so much. And I'm so grateful for, um, the time that I, you know, was so sad and in pain over my daughter, Brianna. I'm so grateful for the reconciliation and the fact that that relationship is healed, healing. And, you know, I accept her exactly how she is and for who she is and for what our relationship is. And I am so grateful that that God allowed me to experience that before Jacob came to me, because who knows what my response might have been. But because of what I had gone through, my response was, whatever it takes, he's going to know I accept him and he is loved. We made a decision as a family. It was not it was not common knowledge. I think the terminology that we use is coming out. He had not come out yet, which that's a whole nother thing. It bothers me that, that people that, um, you know, that the gay community feels that they have to come out. It's really not anybody's business, is it? We're not talking about how generous somebody is or how compassionate somebody is. We are only talking about their preference, uh, for sexual attraction. And that's really private. But anyway, that's another subject. Um, nobody, nobody knew except for me, but what I did was I made the decision to call the family members and say, listen, here's, here's what Jacob has told me. And we are going to accept him wholeheartedly all the way. And if you can't, then you're not a part of it because I'm not going to accept anything else. And so what that did was that gave everybody in the family a period of time to search their own hearts, right? Uh, before he kind of 
you know, it took years before Jacob even accepted himself. <laughs> you know, as parents, you you have to accept it. Well, you don't have to, but you should because that's still your child. But for for the person, they sometimes don't accept themselves maybe ever. But I'm so grateful for our amazing family that rallied around him from day one and just never treated him any different, loved him unconditionally. And I think that that enabled him to, you know, over time to be able to accept exactly who he was and to know that, you know, God loves him for exactly who he is. And so does his family. And I share this information with you, hoping that, you know, even if this doesn't apply directly to you, that it is something that would add value to you, open your heart a little bit to hear my heart. Um, again, I'm, I'm just sharing with you my experience. Um, I feel blessed to have the children that I have and the experiences that I have had with my children. As a result, I've been able to share with a lot of people who are struggling because they have um, gay children, gay family members. They don't know how to respond or how to react. And, you know, as a Christian, um, I, for many years, I was afraid to tell people because they would, of what they, how they would respond to me. But now I just come out and say, listen, I'm a Christian. I have a gay son, accept it or don't. <laughs> you know, it's really not, you're either in my life or you're not. It's not, there's nothing, it's really none of your business. And uh, just to love people unconditionally, especially our children. <laughs> oh my goodness, that was a heavy one. I'm. I really want to thank you for sticking with me. I'm glad I got this done in part one. It is my true belief that our truth sets other people free. And my hope in sharing this, this part of my life with you is that it can open your heart, um, get, bring you peace and joy, and maybe just open up a conversation if this is something that's going on in your family or with your friends or open your heart and... Um, you know, just, just spread more love. That's really, the world needs more love, not less. The world needs more, less conditions and more love. And as believers, it's, it's our duty to do that. I hope that if this has touched your heart, that you will share it with somebody else who needs to maybe hear it. And I thank you for sticking with me. And if you have not already done so, you can go to Sold Out Entrepreneur on Facebook and you can comment, you can send me a message, uh, you can go directly to the website, soldoutentrepreneur.com, and you can connect with me there as well. And when you go to soldoutentrepreneur.com, you can see that there's now a Sold Out Entrepreneur TV show. Click right there on the page and you can access that. And uh, we have an amazing three-part masterclass that my husband and I have put together and it's yours for free. It's our free gift to you. You can access that as well. It's bigtimenetworker.com or you can get to it right on our website. I thank you so much for joining me. I look forward to hearing from you and I hope you have an amazing week. Until next time.